0: Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks and I'm Jen O'Neill. and this is a podcast about all the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 161. Welcome back, everybody. It's Labor Day. It is Labor Day how, when we're recording? Yeah, at the uh, 11th hour. <laughs> uh,
1: we like I, to keep it fresh. We is, want you to know. We're like, it's like, you're listening to this tomorrow. Like, you know, this is what we're doing today. It's a... It's exactly. Fun. We get to keep on the seat of our pants. Um, my Labor Day was great. I We went away for the weekend. Um, we went up to Franklin, North Carolina with Ben's parents. They came down from Delaware and we rented... The most amazing, the cabin with the most amazing view I've ever stayed at. I your pictures you, looked gorgeous. I could not stop posting pictures. I just was like, I know it's the exact same thing over and over, but like, isn't it amazing? It was, it was so beautiful. I could have, and it was like it rained a bunch, and even in the rain, it was gorgeous. Anyway, just why, why do I live in a like, why do I just like live in a city? I should be, I should be free. I should be running free in your the mountains. Really not,
0: you're really not City Sally.
1: Mm-mm.
0: You're not a not. City Gal. I'm not no. a City Gal. You should, the- you should live in the mountains. I'll live in the city. Okay. It will be like a tale of two cities. <laughs> <laughs> or not to one city. You can come visit me. Mountain. I'll go visit you. I'll go visit <laughs> <Right>? you. <laughs>
1: That's how, what was, we'll do. how was your
0: trip? So I, wh- mine was in a city. Yeah. Um it was good. Uh well, I just I took the kids to the Dragon Con parade Saturday morning. It's kind of like our little tradition. Um, I love that. I'm sad that we missed it. It's so fun. It's just like it's like taking the kids to Disney but for free yeah
1: it's like they have all their <laughs> and favorite kids <laughs> And it's like three miles from home exactly. it's a ten minute drive.
0: It's it's great. I love it. I love going every year. I just love people watching. And I yeah. love, I know we've said this a million times in the podcast, but like my favorite thing to do is watch passionate people be passionate about things that they're passionate about. Yeah. It just makes me, it brings me so much joy. So I like Dragon Con is so fun. This is actually the first year that I went to um the adult Dragon Con.
1: Yeah. I, was I convinced
0: um, it was so fucking fun. Oh my God. I I think we did it in the perfect like adult way. Cause I dragged Dustin, my friend Dustin Harder out who is a vegan He's Amazing. But he doesn't really love fun. (laughs) (laughs) He's not
1: like me, like somebody who's like fun, fun, fun all the time.
0: No, (laughs) he is. He's so fun. He's amazing. I love him. But he, I always have to like convince him to go Mm -hmm. places. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, it's a special occasion when he's out and about. Yeah. 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 Um, he's a homebody. So I convinced him to go, um, and we I feel like we did it the perfect way. We went on Thursday, which was, like, the slowest day. Yeah. We went from, like, 6 o'clock to, like – and then by, like, 9, Dustin was, like, want to go home? And I was, like, yeah. Like, just because <laughs> that <body>. was plenty. <laughs> but we had so much fun just, like, roaming around. He's sober, but I – drank, of course. Uh, it was so fun. Just people watching. There were all these like little side dance parties. They were playing like eighth grade dance songs. You know yeah, what I mean? From like yes. your eighth grade. And, like, it was so like, Bell funny. And- yes. <laughs> yeah, Yes. It was so good. I had the best time. So um, I think I'm going to go again next year. We ran into Dan uh, Weeks as fellow comedian. That was fun running into Dan. Although I will say Dan... With classic Dan Weeks is he kept saying, like, come meet me at Trader Vicks, come meet me at Trader Vicks. And he was like, I'm over by the bathrooms. And he like, I'm, We're circling, we're circling, we're circling. I'm, like, I don't see him anywhere. Uh-huh. I just like, and so we were about to leave, and then all of a sudden I hear somebody scream my name. He's on a full on Wolfman <laughs> costume. I was like, Hey, then did, he did you not maybe- mention? <laughs> no, I was like, Did you maybe want to mention? <laughs> that I couldn't see your face and or your hands or anything
1: to be able to tell that that was you but then you heard his voice and you're like there he is yeah classic Dan um, uh, that's yeah amazing. and then
0: I we were only there for like two hours and and within the two hours I get a text message that was like sorry had to go pass out for a bit are you guys still out <laughs> You are in a different world than me. <laughs> I know. Um anyway, oh so yeah, so then we went to Chattanooga for a day too and that was fun. We just did city stuff. Well, city for step. for yeah, Labor Day.
1: Well, speaking that? of people Passionate people being passionate about things, whatever it is. On the way home from the mountains, I took Max to Sparkles. Have you ever been to Sparkles? <gasps> the roller, skating, roller skating.
0: You know, I never went to Sparkles here because I didn't grow up here, but we definitely had the Bay Shore roller oh, yeah. rink on Long Island. Oh yeah, I mean, believe- I grew up.
1: I grew up like at the roller rink and I mean, Aaron and I used to, Dr. Dude and I used to like, we would call ourselves speed demons and we would like race around. super that sounds duper like quick. You. <laughs> So like me, <laughs> but I haven't been in, I mean, in, since, you know, I was a teenager and so Max has, he went with like a camp and he's like fallen in love with this place. And so Aww. it was kind of on the way back home um, and we met some friends there and my friend Katrina, like the last time they went, she got like really into skating and she was like, you know what? This is like better than therapy. Just like skating around the rink. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try it. And so, and she was so right. It was so fun. And it was so fun to see the people who were like really good at roller skating, like doing all the tricks. Oh, yeah, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I love these people. And I, I'm like into roller skating now. I mean, I've only done it today for an hour, but listen, I'm my into words, people, Jen. <laughs> I'm into people that are into roller skating, but I uh-huh. am not a roller skater.
0: I'm far <laughs> – you know me. I'm too clumsy for anything like that.
1: It's just um, a recipe for disaster. You're not clumsy. I saw you twerk last week. Uh, I twerked for Jesus Christ. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm a good dancer. I'm a very good dancer. I grew up dancing. I can follow direction. Yeah, uh,
1: but I'm uh, not a good. You can't put me on skates. Yeah, I um, mean, I didn't think I was gonna survive on skates either. But it came back eventually. At first, I was yeah. a little, I was a little rocky. I wasn't great, but it was it was fun. It was really fun. Um, also, so yeah, so to clarify, twerking for Jesus, Sally invited me. <laughs> no, to, we're just gonna leave that there.
0: No, I'll hold that. Uh, Sally invited me to like a hip-hop dance class, fitness class thing. And it was at this rec center. And then it ended up taking place like in the chapel part of it. And there was like pictures of Jesus and a cross. And then like- It was like a full-on
1: altar. The teacher. Yeah, it was an altar.
0: (laughs) And then the teacher was uh, like on stage and was just like, come on, ladies, touch yourself. If you don't do it, nobody else is going. And it was all like- to where it was like a very sexual hip-hop dance class. Yes. But, yeah, there was but you know what? Much twerking. Sally and
1: I were really good at it. We were really good. We were good. <laughs> they were like, first-timers, you might not get it. You might not understand what we're doing. We're like, oh, we get it. <laughs> there was a Our moment when she was, was there, like, I was like, wow. Yeah. And it was great. We had so much yeah.
0: fun. Yeah. It was the best time ever. I had so much fun. Oh, my God. Yeah, there was a moment where they were like, "Um, "Okay, so for new timers, it's gonna be, uh, you know, left, right, left, right, B A back, select, start, up, down, up, down, and then um, and this and this and Sally and they just looked at each other and nodded and we're like, got it, we got it." We're gonna nail this, <laughs> and we fucking did. Oh yeah, we did. It was we so did. fun. If anybody wants to join us, if you live in Atlanta and you want to come be a part of this, because um, I'm gonna go back every Wednesday. Well, I, I, I was all excited about going back this Wednesday, but I forgot I have a show. Yeah, and
1: I saw you at a show. I was like, Jen, this was our new Wednesday thing. I know. Our podcast, and- and then we're gonna go twerk for Jesus. <laughs> I blew it. Next Wednesday. Uh, next Wednesday. Oh, you do <laughs> comedy, you little skits. <laughs> yeah. Still doing but, it. But yeah, so it's uh it's Wednesday nights, it's at seven. It's called Evolve and it's at Tucker Rack, and it's anybody can go, you don't have to have a membership. It's twelve dollars. So it's in Tucker, which if you're in Atlanta, you know where that is. So um, look at how it comes
0: right across from the Moonshadow Tavern that I've also been trying to get.
1: <laughs> get <into.
0: laughs> so like, Actually, Do you want, Should we go there after? I was I like, so
1: no. you go and everybody's like, no, there's smoking in there. <laughs> I was like, there's smoking there. And then your friend Julie was randomly at um. Yeah, was randomly also at this dance class. You didn't know she was going to be there. And she was like, I was like, there's smoking there. She was like, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's enough. <laughs> Especially if coming from dance class. <laughs> Look, I said I love watching passionate people do things that they're passionate about. <laughs> and some people are very passionate about chain smoking in bar. Yeah, I Same. mean... So I was I was once once upon a time too, I know. <laughs> weren't we all? Down. Oh, all, all right. right. Well, let's get into <laughs> our quickies. Let's do it. Let's do it.
0: Um, my quickie comes from an article for Mirror UK, written by Milika Kosick. Okay. Um, and it is about a couple who had their wedding outside, and it was beautiful. It was like the most gorgeous scenery. There was a lake. There was like it was actually at Montana's Glacier National Park. Whoa. Which you can only imagine how beautiful it is, right? You can only imagine. Yes. So um they had amazing scenery. They were exchanging vows and they had um a wedding videographer capturing the entire moment. Um his name was Stanton Giles. So he captured them exchanging their vows to each other. And then there was a cry in the background, like, okay, a, like, and then which diverted his camera over behind the couple across the lake. And that's when they found um, a grizzly bear who was attacking and eating a moose calf <laughs> nearby. <laughs> beautiful (laughs) wedding, and they're in the middle of their vows to each other. They're going to love each other for forever. (laughs) Beautiful scenery, and then in the background, it is just a moose calf getting completely mauled and eaten alive by a giant grizzly bear. So he... (laughs) I had this moment captured and of course he put it on YouTube. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and play this for you guys. Okay, thank you. Um so cuz I was going to um, look it up. So this video's been viewed 426,000 times. Uh but here is here's the uh audio. Okay. Feel free to Google.
1: I can't hear anything.
0: You can't hear it? Uh-uh. Wait, like you can't hear like the no, Grizzly I can't hear. Bear killing the moose?
1: <laughs> no, I can't hear anything. The video at all? Yeah, I can Oh, because it it's all. playing in my headphones.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't put me on don't oh. <laughs> You ding dong. I was like, I take out my headphones.
0: <laughs> I was like, this is really loud. I can't.
1: Put <laughs> I can't turn it anymore. <laughs> hold on, okay, I'm playing it now. Loved, that I love now,
0: and I bow to past,
1: present, and future. <laughs> Are we
0: okay? <laughs> it's a grizzly bear
1: killing me. No service. Oh, because I have multiple songs. I got one. I got not
0: have songs, am They're trying to figure out how to, like, play songs. So it's a three-minute video. I'm not going to play the whole video for you, but um, did you guys get the uh... – Oh, yeah. We got the gist. You got the gist? <laughs> like in the middle of their vows, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like nobody was laughing. That's the most <laughs> upsetting part.
1: I mean, do you – I would have guessed that in that moment, <laughs> just horrifying. I Ugh. guess, but I feel like I would still
0: laugh at the absurdity of it all you gotta you gotta to just, laugh at the, yeah you and just gotta. be like what the uh-huh. fuck
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh dude that's amazing yeah um okay um, well, no I'm- word from steve harvey yet if he's gonna pay for their wedding <laughs> no word from steve harvey yet if wedding do over put, that, put yeah. that grizzly down <laughs> what are you gonna do about it steve harvey <laughs> send them to italy send them to italy <laughs> <laughs> and then send us no, to that's Italy. Olive Garden. What if, like, <laughs> <laughs> I have this couple then just
0: like took it over to the Olive Garden? You know what I mean? <laughs> They're just like, well, that didn't work. So let's just go to the Olive Garden, take some photos, and maybe they'll send us to Italy. If you, right? you guys had to have listened to last week's episode for this to make sense, but anyway,
1: I feel like it's worth a shot. It's totally. A shot. Plus, then you get breadsticks. That's great. Exactly. Um, okay, well, my quickie is a good old-fashioned listicle, because everybody loves a listicle. Um, sure and know. it is by Salima McCullough from BuzzFeed, and it is, 18 divorce lawyers are sharing their most outrageous reasons why people get divorced, and I truly am lost for words. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the headline. <laughs> Not me personally, lost for words. Never. Okay. <laughs> this is from um, a Reddit user named dunit7810. Um, so these are all <coughs> lawyers who wrote in about their clients. So one of her clients thought his wife was having an affair. She would actually just go driving around for hours of the night playing Pokemon Go. They <gasps> still got divorced.
0: Oh my God. You know, sometimes people just need some
1: space. Right? I'm like, I feel like it's it's probably like the equivalent <laughs> like if she's like i need to be away from you for all night every night oh it was all night every night well i don't so know she said po- she would oh. go actually go driving around for hours of the night playing pokemon go but that is so funny yeah at my last firm a couple did their will with our firm they were married 40 years total divorced and remarried once The husband wanted us to put in his will that his kids get his entire estate, but he did not want us to tell his wife. He wanted to make a secret will and a fake will. The phony will would be signed with her present, and then it would be shredded. He would later (gasps) come in to sign the real will. He copied his wife on the email that had all of this information disclosed in it. Oh my God, what an idiot. Two weeks later, he called us and said he wanted to file for divorce instead.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) A couple got divorced over a cat. The wife called the cat Snowball because of its white fur, and she only wanted it to eat wet cat food or chicken breast. The husband called the cat Lily because of the white fur and (laughs) and believed it should only eat dry food. They argued for a year over custody of the cat and did not give a shit about their human kids oh my that god uh, i hate those people i hate everything about them me too uh, and i hope that cat said, ran away i don't really like cats sorry oh wow awkward because i'm an animal lover so no I know you're not. <laughs> so i i feel you know personally attacked on behalf of all cat and animal lovers i know you're full of shit Shit. A forty-six-year-old marriage ended because his old high school girlfriend was single again. I later learned that the guy married the old girlfriend the same day his divorce was finalized. <gasps> you what know, a bag of shit! Oh,
0: I like kind of know of a story. Well, there, it's like it's like a far removed friend of a friend. Yeah, I don't. I almost shouldn't say it, but it, it is something along the lines of someone leaving their husband for their high school love yeah um, that they reconnected with on facebook
1: yeah and, i think that happens yeah. fairly often and i yeah i feel like like i understand like if you're if you want to leave for someone else if your marriage is is you know your marriage is over you're ready to like move on There's no – nothing wrong with, like, reconnecting with someone, but also Mm -hmm. it would just feel so bad to be the person who was married to you for 46 years to be like, oh, you were just waiting for that person the whole time. You were a placeholder. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh. It would feel so shitty. So shitty. Oh, my God. Well, I'm glad they're divorced. Yes um, I had a client come in because he said the wrong person's name during the wedding ceremony. the worst part, this wasn't the first or last time I saw him. Never had I have I had so much repeat business from one client.
0: Oh my God, maybe Me. stop getting married. Maybe stop getting married people. <laughs> that
1: would I agree.
0: No wonder he can't keep the name straight, right? <laughs> that would be very confusing.
1: yeah. okay. My aunt had a case where the wife glued all of the outdoor hoses together so her husband wouldn't spend so much time washing his vehicle. When the glue didn't work, she just cut it. When he got a new one, she filed for divorce.
0: That's crazy. It's crazy. If he likes all a clean around. car. Then let him have a clean car. And why are you ruining all of these hoses?
1: <laughs> like I, I. Yeah. It's like you you guys have bigger problems I think. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> than this and him washing the car. The fact that like you would sabotage his his property or your property? Yeah. That is really um, weird. It's really weird. Okay, my father's best friend divorced his wife simply over her cooking. Every day he would come home to amazing cooked meals. It turns out she couldn't cook at all and was ordering food from different restaurants. She even went as far as dirtying pots and pans to make it look like she cooked all day. She got away with this for almost a year before he caught on. This was back in the day before you could check your bank statements online. And since she did all the billing, he didn't notice how much money was missing that she was spending on takeout. Okay, I want to know is, how you feel about this one. This, this is, this is, is a the last one. one. I'll do. Part mm. of me
0: wants to say, well, part I will say. On one hand, cook your own goddamn food, then. Yeah, like why don't why do not you, you came home dinner? to amazing cooked meals? Yeah, end of story. But on the other hand, it's not cool that she was lying the whole time, and I also can't imagine how much money was wasted being spent on
1: yes. takeout. So I mean, I have done on both
0: their ends.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, that sounds like they were not on the same page to begin with. So like, yeah, probably best, probably best to go their separate ways. It also sounds like maybe this was like in a time when women were expected to know how to cook and have dinner on their table for their husbands. And like, it wouldn't have been acceptable to not know that. Yeah. So I don't know. Either way, fuck them both, you know? Yeah. Fuck them both. Fuck them both. Sort of <laughs> That's <all> it. garden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my that's my in conclusion, fuck them both. In conclusion, <laughs> go fuck yourselves. <laughs> all right, that's all I got. All
0: right. Hey Sal. Hey, Jen. Are you ready for a crazy story? Yeah, I'm ready. Good. I have one. Okay. Um, So this – my story this week comes from an article for foxnews.com written by Stephanie Nolasco and also um, an episode of Who the Bleep Did I Marry? My favorite. Who the bleep did I marry? I can't tell you. (laughs) Uh, Okay. In January of 1989 in Brooklyn, New York, uh, Barbara Rifle was working at a tanning salon – Um, It was her second job during the day. She was actually a full-time dental assistant. So she was a working gal in the 1980s in Brooklyn, New York. All right. Imagine the power suits. Um, So she was very, very hard. Imagine
1: the deep tan. Yeah, the tan, (laughs) the hair,
0: the like power suits with the Reeboks, you know, when you're walking from like
1: from the subway to your oh job. yeah, when you have your ta- your nude pantyhose and yeah. then your Reeboks oh yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I
0: tell you that I've been I pr- I probably talked about this on the podcast at some point, but I've always wanted to have a um, night where we go like bar hotel hopping, Uh-huh. but like all dressed in pow- like with girlfriends all dressed in power suits with like white reebok. <laughs>
1: I'm in. Let's do in. that. I have and, no like, reason briefcases. to wear my power
0: suits anymore. <laughs> I know. Like I want like uh, like shoulder pads and <sighs> the whole shebang. Yeah. And, like briefcases. That sounds amazing. Let's do it. Okay. Let's Let's start a revolution. Okay. Anyway, so she was very, very hardworking, and her friends said that she was, like, super popular and um, smart. She was also very pretty. She was gorgeous. Um, So one day when she was working at the tanning salon, this big guy walked in. He was, like, super big and buff. He was what she called the strong, silent type. He was actually an ex-football player and also a dental student named uh, Michael Marino. She said that she was, as soon as she saw him, she was just like instantly smitten with him. Um, She said that he just made her feel like a a giddy schoolgirl, is what she said. And so just a few weeks after they met, he ended up asking her on a date. And after they went on their first date, they were totally inseparable. He was just like totally over the moon for her. He told all of his friends that she belonged with him is what he said.
1: Wow. Um, That's really sweet. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I don't know. Like, you don't. You don't like I,
0: stuff like that. But I'm like, what?
1: I do. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying it's very sweet. But then also, I'm like, I don't know where this is going. So oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Dude, but also, if somebody said it, to that's me a to my line face, I would
0: fall for. Yeah. I would like, yeah. If somebody oh, said it to my okay. face, I
1: would the biggest yeah. eye roll. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: Um. I oh no, I would be like, do you want to marry me? <laughs> no, <just kidding. laughs> So um, on May twenty third, 1992, three years after they met, they ended up getting married on a Sunday afternoon in a Brooklyn church. Barbara said that the entire day was a total dream come true. But the only thing that was a little weird with their wedding day was that when um, with their wedding day is when she went to light the candle at the altar, hers wouldn't light. Mm. And oh, so- God, yeah, she said she shrugged it off, but just like enjoyed the rest of the day. Um, so, shortly after they were married, she took a backseat in her career to focus on Michaels. Um, so, he went to school to become a craniofacial surgeon. <laughs> I bet- <laughs> what?
1: I thought you meant like she, like she, the craft Mike, store. <laughs> She's like, I really just need to focus on like, what's their inventory today? Yeah. What, can I- <laughs> what kind of glue guns do they got in today?
0: <laughs> what
1: kind of thread do they have? Um, baskets,
0: baskets, baskets. <laughs> <laughs> what can I bedazzle? <laughs>
1: Oh, this was Puffy the 80s, pink. so it was like puppy yeah. paint. Yeah, yes, so puppy paint t shirt.
0: So um, he went to school to become a craniofacial surgeon. And then um, she took care of him while um, he went to school for four years. So she supported the family. And he became an oral surgeon. And then they ended up having two boys. Um, so everything was going great. He was making all this money. They lived in a beautiful home, happily ever after.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: That's usually how this show goes. Uh, But then in the early 2000s, early 2000s, you guys would only get that if you were around in the early 2000s and watched Cronin O'Brien. Anyway, uh, so so he started, um, that's when he started acting weird. He became... um, increasingly angrier and he had a really bad temper is what her and her friend said. Um, one night in particular, he came home from work and he looked totally disheveled. And when Barbara asked him, um, you know, what was wrong, he said that he had hurt his back and he had just take, you know, just took some Demerol from work. No big deal. Um, mm-hmm. But he said that he accidentally took a little bit too much. And that's why he was out of it. And it, again, she just sh- shrugged it off. But yeah. um, soon Michael's coworkers started to notice Um, That he was acting strange and they confronted Barbara about it. They asked her, um, you know, if he seemed weird to her and she said, no, maybe just a little stressed out. Why? And they were like, oh, okay, because we just found him passed out in the bathroom with a needle in his arm.
1: Oh, Um, so yeah. is he acting strange? Why? Is is he weird to you?
0: He um, apparently had been practicing medicine with a full-blown drug problem. That is so scary. Yeah. Like he would treat patients and then go in the bathroom and shoot up. It's like, uh. so he ended up giving up his dental license and he went to rehab in West Palm Beach, but he checked himself out after only three days. And then two weeks later, he ended up relapsing. And one night, um, in particular, he didn't come home. And it was strange because it was his son's birthday and he missed it. Um, so Barbara thought it was weird. So at midnight, she left the house and started looking for him, just driving around the neighborhood to see if she could yeah. find him. And that's when she saw a slew of police cars and Michael standing there. He had been in a car wreck um, and he was okay, but there was another woman there with him. Yeah, he had um. been cheating on her. Yeah. Um, I know. Yeah. And so, uh, he denied that he was having the affair. Of course he did, but he couldn't deny that, you know, he was doing drugs again and had a drug problem. So he ended up going back to rehab again to get his life together. He stayed this time in rehab for three weeks. And when he came out, he seemed to be better. And he seemed, um, ready to turn his life around for the better. And so he tried to reinvent himself and he started a new career, um, in tissue recovery. Um, so he started this business called biomedical tissue services in 2002. Mm -hmm. Basically what it does is it sells body tissue from cadavers for transplants, uh, for research and for bone grafts. If you have the family's permission of the deceased, um, then tissue harvesting is actually legal. So he Hmm. partnered with several funeral homes in the area and his career quickly took off because he would buy, this is really, this is all very morbid. He would buy corpses from funeral homes for $1,000 a corpse. And then he would sell the body parts to these publicly, uh, three publicly traded companies. uh, And then he would sell them to the doctors and surgeons for $18,000. So it was like okay. he was making a yeah, shit yeah, yeah. ton of money. Um, and he was um, – at that rate, right, he was harvesting about 20 bodies a month. So, um, so Barbara and Michael were doing well again and, you know, years went by and Barbara thought that they finally had their, back on, uh, their life back on track. Mm-hmm. And then five years later in 2005, which at this point is 13 years into their marriage, Barbara ends up getting a phone call from Michael he's at work and he's whispering. Uh, and he was like, Barb, the authorities are here and they're searching my office. They're confiscating my things, um, et cetera. And, um, she was, you know, confused of course. And Michael said that he didn't, he had no idea why they were there. And then he was, it probably had something to do with his business partner. Um, but Michael was arrested, um, for harvesting human remains without consent.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The DA claimed that he had been doing it for years. Basically, what he was doing was paying off funeral homes and buying corpses without the permission of the families. So they'd Uh, like
1: tell them that they had been cremated and then just give them the body?
0: Yeah. It's so messed up. It gets even worse. So it's so bad. And so, um,
1: but Barb,
0: but Michael denied all of this after he was arrested and Barb believed everything that he was saying. Um, She believed that he was innocent and this was all just like a big misunderstanding. But, you know, as the months went by into the investigation, he was looking pretty guilty. And at one point, Michael asked Barb to come into the upstairs bathroom and he ran the shower water because he thought that their house was being bugged. And he Mm -hmm. asked her, do you think I should run? And then um, mm. she was, she asked she was like, "Are you innocent?" And he was like, "Yes." And she was like, "Well, if you run, then you'll immediately be considered guilty." And he was like, "Okay, then I'll stay. I'm, I'm innocent." And she continued to stay by his side. But upon investigation, it was de- exposed that he was illegally buying bodies without consent, chopping them up and selling the parts for tons of money. But he was also um, <gasps> He was buying and selling bodies that were diseased, bodies that had died of cancer and AIDS. And then these parts were used to heal people, you know what I mean? So he was putting sick tissue into like otherwise healthy people. Um, And he got away with it for years, for years, he got away with this. But the only reason that he got caught was because the funeral home that he had done most of the harvesting at was sold. And the new owners, when they were looking around the home, they found, they discovered this like secret room that had like blood and and (gasps) entrails all over. And then there was a secret elevator where corpses would be lifted straight up to another room where he cut up bodies Oh, it's so gross. Listen, you guys asked for this shit. We told <laughs> you we don't want to do this anymore. We said we, that we were done with the heavy true crime shit and you guys
1: kicked like, back. We love it. <laughs> you sick you asked for it. <laughs> so here you go,
0: you sickos. Anyway... So. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So this is like, and this is crazy too. Oh my God, this is so crazy. He would take the bones out of bodies and replace it with PVC pipe and then what? dress the bodies for the funeral. So like the families wouldn't even know. They would just see their loved one dressed up, but they had no idea that their bones had been removed and replaced with PVC pipe.
1: And and Barb just thinks she's married to a normal guy. Yeah, she had no idea. Oh man.
0: And so um, it had... It, once everything was revealed, it was found that they had um, dissected over a 1,000 bodies. And on February 2006, he was arrested. He was out on bail four days later. And um, Michael told everybody that it wasn't him that did it. It was the funeral directors that did it. And Barbara still stood by him. But then in March of 2000- Barbara. Barbara. <laughs> and then in- um, March of 2008 he finally confessed and pled guilty to body stealing enterprise corruption and reckless endangerment and he told Barbara that he was guilty of all of it and that's when she was she was finally done with him and she filed for divorce and once um, so Michael was uh, found guilty and sentenced to 80 18 to 54 years in prison Um, And once the divorce was final and he was in prison, she went and saw him and she asked him, like, why did you do it? Like, why did why all of this? And he said one word, greed, just matter of fact, greed. And so he was sentenced to 1854 years, um, but he died in 2013. Um, while he was in prison from complications of metastatic liver cancer that had spread to his brain and bones if that isn't karma then i don't know right that's what, what i was just gonna say like <gasps> i know and so and then barbara actually wrote a book about her experience it's called the body snatchers wife my life with a monster and i looked it up and it actually has 48 really great reviews on amazon
1: all right Barbara. <laughs> Get it, barbara make lemonade i guess Oh, shit. I know. It's just such a wild story. Oh, It Uh, just is. I mean, that's just so gruesome to be like, I mean, I guess you just, you do it. It's like you start in the business and you're like, well, what's the difference if I just, I don't have their permission. They don't know anyway. So I can just, you know, you start then buying bodies on the side and then you're like, it's like you go, it's like every little inch you just become desensitized and you convince yourself it's okay. I don't know. I just, it's so sick. I can't imagine putting PVC pipe into a person's body. Me neither. I really, I mean, just I guess that's, I guess it's a good, a good thing, right? <laughs> I'm really, Sally, you're really impressing me right now. I'm such just a good person. Just when I think I know you, I,
0: you would, unveil something else and i'm like i would have never known i would have never known that you wouldn't take somebody's bones out of their body and replace them with pvc pipe am i
1: practically a saint you really are
0: (laughs) please tell me you have a nice love story
1: for us oh jen i wish i could would that i could Look, I have a love story, and I, okay. we are going to go to Happy Town, but there is some real heavy shit in the beginning. You know what? Again,
0: you guys fucking <laughs> asked for this shit. Do you see what you drove us to do? You guys wanted the heavy, emotional, fucked up shit, and we're giving it to you.
1: <laughs> and here it is. <laughs> the, I just want to give a trigger warning because uh, I, I'm going to talk about a rape. Um, actually several rapes. So, um, so if that is something that is triggering for you, please just fast forward to something dumb and something we love, um, or, you know, just turn it off. (laughs) Just go, go uh, roller skate. (laughs) That's, That's what, that would be my recommendation. Um, okay. I got my information. Most of it came from a really amazing long form article called untold. Um, and it's an ESPN by Tom Junod and Paula Levine. Um, and then also a follow up article from those two, as well as an article in Upworthy by Jacqueline Wetzel and from The Independent by Sheila Flint. I apologize for my, my kid singing in the background. Um He's so cute. Okay suck yet. On September 13th, 1978, Betsy Saylor's phone was ringing all day long. She had two days earlier placed a classified ad in the Penn State student newspaper. She was looking for a roommate because her roommate had not come back for her senior year. So she thought, well, I need a new roommate. It's It was $87 a month. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Um, Yeah. So, but it was, you know, this wasn't an unusual thing. It was 1978. In fact, when Betsy's ad ran, there were eight others asking for roommates of the same, like in the same newspaper. So she was 21 years old. She was a senior. She loved Penn State. She was one of a few women who majored in business. She was just, she was like a cheerful, nice, smart person. Um, She still, she loved being a student, but she had a fiance who was seven years older, who lived a couple hours away. And so she was planning to get married after she graduated. And she was hoping that she would find somebody who was like her old roommate. They had she had found her through an ad and they had really gotten along. And that woman decided not to come back. But she was, you know, excited to meet someone new. So a couple people called a couple men called like, asking, Oh, you're absolutely sure you don't want a male roommate. And she was like, Yeah, I'm absolutely sure the other one, another guy called asking about a place for his girlfriend, he said she had registered late and she needed a place to live. So he asked about the apartment, where it was, if he could come by and take a look at it. And Betsy said, oh, I'm going to be out for a while and I won't be home. So maybe tomorrow. Um, and then she talked to another person who she, another woman who she really liked. And she was like, you know what? I'm I, This is the person I'm going to go with. So she kind of forgot about the guy asking about his girlfriend. Um, she studied for a bit. And then around 10 p.m., she went to the store for some cat food. And when she got back from the store, she thought she heard her cats knock something over in the apartment and she hit the light switch, but the room, like, did the light didn't come on. And she was kind of like, what's what's happening? Um, oh and then God. she said, the next thing I knew, I had a hand around my mouth <gasps> and a knife at my neck. And oh a voice said, I'll kill you if you say a word. Oh, my God. And she told him, you can take my jewelry. I'll tell you where it is. And he said, I'm not going to do that. And she asked, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm going to rape you. Oh, my God. And she said she recognized the voice from the phone. It was the boyfriend who had called about the apartment. And she said when she heard the voice felt like she was so outside of herself that she heard her own voice saying, oh no. Mm. And obviously I'm not going to go into the details about what happened, but it was pretty brutal. And, um, and he did rape her. And after that happened, she called the police and then she called her mom. And when Betsy called her mom, the first thing she said was I'm okay. And her mom says, when your child says, I'm okay, you know that something has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said that Betsy was able to just calmly tell her step-by-step step what had happened. Um, the only thing she didn't say was the word rape. Betsy said, I wouldn't use that word. I wanted to spare her that. She said, Mom, I've been sexually assaulted, as if that would make it better. But even though you know this was 1978, this was Penn State, I am prepared to To press charges, and I will tell anybody what has happened to me. So, the rapist had left his fingerprints in her apartment, and it came back that the prints belonged to a Penn State college football player named Todd Hodney and Todd Hodney had been suspended a month earlier from the football team because he had raped another woman <gasps> at Knife Point.
0: Oh my god.
1: But despite his suspension from the football team, he had remained on scholarship and had not been kicked out of school. He still lived on campus and Betsy was actually one of five women that he oh. raped at god. Penn State. Um There were others that wanted to press charges, but for whatever reason, the prosecutor was like, the evidence wasn't as strong. Um, So Betsy was the first one who was able to press charges against him. And she testified against him, both at like a pretrial hearing and at the trial. She endured a brutal cross-examination, but he was found guilty and she won. Um, But even though he was found guilty, he was allowed out on bail to await sentencing. He was sent home to like wait for sentencing to Long Island. And while he was out on bail. Jesus, don't even. He continued his, his serial rape spree. He raped at least six other women and he murdered a taxi driver. Oh, my God. He was finally caught and sent to prison and he died there in 2020. So. That's the last we can talk about that guy. Um, So a lot of people were in the courtroom to see Betsy testify against Todd Hodney in 1978. And many of them were actually there to support him, including a lot of his teammates, um, because they were encouraged to go by their coach, who is Joe Paterno, who I'm sure everybody remembers as like the Mm -hmm. longtime coach of, you know, and there are so many other scandals um, involving him. But... One of those men um, who was a football player for Penn State was Irv Pankney, and he was particularly struck by Betsy's testimony in that he believed every word she said, while most other people did not. So the night after the preliminary hearing where she had told what had happened to her, Irv decided to do something. He knocked on Betsy's door. And she said that that knock changed everything for her. She said, I went to my door and I opened it. And there was a man that completely, seemingly filled the entire doorframe. Like there was not a lot of space other than him. And he put out his hand and he introduced himself. He said, hello, my name is Irv Pankney. And I just want to let you know that I was in the courtroom today. And I listened to what you had to say. And I believe every word that you said. And you will never have to be afraid or alone again. I will be by your side.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So he was a junior at the time. Um, he was a, a tight end. He was six foot five, 270. Um, and he knew Todd Hodney and he liked him as a teammate. But when he heard Betsy testify, he knew that he had to do something. He said, She came forward, and that brings things to light what the situation really was. If she hadn't stepped up and he hadn't gone to trial, no one would have ever known. And she started putting cracks in stories. It used to be he said, she said, so with him being a Penn State football player, she would he would have been believed first. Kudos to her for stepping up and sticking to her guns about it. Kudos to her for not being buffaloed. You know, Betsy obviously she was like vilified for actually pressing charges against this football player. And he, and Irv said that he saw himself in her. He said when I started to play for Penn State, there were twelve African Americans on the team. So being African American, I think we understand the play. We have a a commonly white school, and we've all been through some stuff. We could relate. She did not deserve to be a pariah. He promised to protect her, and he not only kept his word, but he made sure that a few of his teammates also did. So the second term of her senior year, because she went back to school, these football players, mostly black men, would walk her to class and make her feel less alone and less afraid they wouldn't let anybody say anything to her they if they included her in everything they did, if they went to a party, she went to a part, went to the party, and they were making sure that she was included. She says, it was huge for me. It was huge to me that somebody from the football team crossed over the line and befriended me. He could have closed ranks and said, we don't talk to her. She's done something against one of our brothers. But he did the opposite. He believed in me, and I was a stranger. And I was white, and he was black, and he was my guardian angel. Oh. He gave me a bit of freedom that I wouldn't have had otherwise. He would have the occasional get-together at his house, and I was invited, and everyone knew who I was. I don't know if Irv was talking to them or whatever, but there was an understanding there. I felt a bit of respect, and the respect came from, I believe, that a woman was taking on something quite large. And the majority of people that I was dealing with were Black football players that certainly had been up against battling big things their whole lives. So after they both left Penn State, um, Irv got married. He played 12 seasons in the NFL. Betsy also got married and she worked as a career. She they worked, didn't oh, marry each other? <clears throat> Hold on. Okay, fine. So, <laughs> so Betsy got married and she worked in a- HR. They both had children and both of them suffered the loss of a spouse. Aww. So 40 years after all of this transpired, the people at ESPN were researching Todd Hodney as part of the larger story of Penn State football and all of the scandals. And they came across the story of Betsy and Irv. And so they decided to make a documentary short about them and their story. As part of the interviews and the filming, the reporters reconnected the two. And they had lost touch, like, way long before. Um, And so in 2021, now 63-year-old Irv flew across the country and then drove across the state of Pennsylvania to knock on Betsy's door again. Aww. So when she opened it up, she hugged him as if she didn't ever want to let him go. And he said, what's up, dear child? Where are my cookies? Because apparently she used to cook him snickerdoodles as like a thank you for Aww. escorting her around campus. And they hadn't seen each other like since a year or two after they graduated. And they had – but they started to like get in touch once this – you know, they all these interviews started. Um, and Betsy said, when I think – Back on him doing what he did. I'm amazed that he even thought strongly about it and that he took the risk. Here's a captain of the football team in a championship year looking at an NFL draft. There was a lot on the line for Irv. And so they sat and they ate Snickerdoodles that Betsy had made him, and they were both just so happy to be together. Betsy said a week later that I had 43 years of knowledge of this person and his impact on my life. And I will never be, I was never able to really fully express and say a long overdue thank you. But then there's the magic that happened. As soon as I saw him, it was the most heart-to-heart transfer of appreciation and love that went right through me. And, and then from him back to me. And just that smile and my smile and the eye contact, it was magical. Aww. So, after the cameras shut off, the two did not stop connecting. In fact, they have since fallen in love, Jen. Oh, I love it. So, this is er, a sweet. Yes. Irv told ESPN, we found out that we had a lot more in common, I guess, than we thought. And it's kind of taken off from there. She says, I'm crazy about him. I feel so honored to be by his side. He's such a great guy. I got to kiss him for the first time after 40 years, and it was a lovely kiss. And so I hope to do more of that. And Irv said, how all this transpired to bring us back together after 40 some years, all these different things had to fall into place. I think we both love each other. We work oh my god i love this
0: story so much
1: i know and he said we're in the ride or die stage right now just riding off into the sunset we're 65 years old we ain't got time to be messing around oh my god i love that so much isn't that amazing and there's i uh, they're so cute oh and there's a documentary about them you can like see them falling in love in this documentary um it's called betsy and irv it's like it's on hulu um, it's an ESPN short. So it's a short documentary and it's you can see them. They're so cute and just it's just an amazing story. It's like how strong she was and how strong he was. Um, at a time when they both really needed it. And now look at him. All these years later, they found they found love. Well, I while
0: you were talking, I had to Google them and they're yeah. just oh my god, it just makes me want to cry. They're just the sweetest couple. I know. Oh, I love it. Good story, Sal. I mean, obviously. Right. Like I might I feel horrible for the circumstances that she had to endure. I mean, it's just heartbreaking and should never happen to anyone. Yeah. But I just, um, I'm so glad that she, they found each other and that he stepped up for her and made her feel safe. And like, how could you not, that's all any woman wants is to just feel safe. And so yeah. it's like, I, that's why I was shocked that like they didn't, I was like, how did they not fall in love right then? (laughs) (laughs) But
1: I'm glad that they ended up together. They ended up together. So good. So good. I know. It's lovely. All right. Well, should we do something dumb and something we love? Let's do it.
0: Um, I guess I'll – well, I start this week. Um, For something dumb, this is stupid, but I don't don't know what is going on. Uh, Mercury is like in retrograde or something. Like I I just feel like – one week it was a truck driving through a building. And the next week <laughs> no. it was one of my buildings was on fire. The next, um, luckily nobody was injured. It was one of the restaurants. It's fine. Everything's fine. Insurance will take care of everything. But yeah, like everywhere I go, I just feel like it, what is happening. Like last <laughs> night we were out to eat, and we were in Chattanooga, and um, the uh, there was a man that. It was a young man. He probably was, like, in his 20s, um, just passed out at the table and smacked the floor so hard. And he was stiff. And we, everybody <gasps> was panicking. Like, it was just the wildest thing. Then he just, like, popped up and was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. But, like, everybody made him sit there. And, like, the fire department came. The police came. It was just, like, like I just what? feel like <clears throat> so many um, – so many crazy things are just going on right now. It's it's wild. I just hope we get out of retrograde, okay? So just- okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, but what I love, um, honestly, I just had like the most fun week just with friends. I had so much fun doing that class with you guys. It was. We awesome. went out for drinks afterwards. That was really fun. Um, Dragon con with Dustin was so fun, and taking the kids. And I just had a really fun. Uh, oh, and then I had uh, went to. My friend Seth and Danielle's for dinner on Friday and we just like, uh, Danielle's like the best cook in the world. She made me a meal and then we just listened to like old songs from back in the day that like oh, just made us that. laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, <clears throat> like, do you remember that real McCoy song that like. Another night, another dream, but oh please you. Do you remember? And then there's yeah. like the rap part that's like, I talk, talk, I talk to you. That, like, it's the most ridiculous song ever. But then it like started a whole like, you know, rabbit hole of like, remember this ridiculous song? Yeah. Yeah. yeah where
1: you doing like, I love doing like uh, Spotify DJ where you just like pass the phone around and everybody yeah. gets to pick something. Oh, so we fun. had
0: the best time. So I just had a really great week with really great people and. them um, very lucky to have such amazing people in my life
1: oh i love that um Um, now you go okay top top that (laughs) i I can't i was i this is not what i well i didn't have anything planned for something Mm. dumb but i will say that you're something dumb that guy passing out like that in um the restaurant just reminded me we were talking about this the other day that um I don't know if I've told you this, but when Max was a baby, when he was like one, he had what it's called, like, it's very dumbly called breath-holding spells, (gasps) where he, like, just one day, he was one, he got his finger caught in a drawer, and he uh, stopped breathing, went completely stiff and blue, (gasps) and was like for, uh, like, Ben had to, like, pry his jaw open to try to, like, give him... CPR. Well, I'm like trying to find the phone and call our, you know, call 911. I mean, we were like, "Oh, our baby has died." You know, I mean, he was like completely oh, blue my and stiff. Oh my god! And then he's then like, I was maybe like 30, 45 seconds, and then he's like back. Um, So we took him to the hospital, and they were like, "Oh yeah, this is just a thing that happens. Like with with kids, like five percent of kids have it. So this is like a PSA. Like that's a thing that could happen. Your kid can just stop breathing." Yeah, and, I've heard of
0: it before. Yeah. it it's gonna like, be the most terrifying. It was,
1: I mean, I still am like just thinking about it. It was like the most traumatic time of my life. And like looking back, we're like, oh, he had done this before, not just not fully. Um, and kids grow out of it by the time they're five. Most kids grow out of it by the time they're two, but and it's harmless. It's actually like completely harmless. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do when it happens except to like make sure they don't fall or hit their head or anything. And like, we finally, we like learned that like, oh, it happens to him when he's like really tired. So we got super militant about his sleep. Um, but yeah, it would, that just where it was like, oh, it's the most horrifying thing. And then he's like, what? What happened? I'm fine. <laughs> what are you guys talking Why are you guys up so upset? Um, oh, so horrifying. So that's dumb. So, you know, watch out for that. Um, and something I love is just, you know, what? I also had an awesome week with good uh with friends and with family and it was so great to see my in-laws we had such a great time and um just to spend time you know i've been traveling so much it was just so nice to spend time with to um, travel again yeah it was so nice to travel but it was just nice to spend time with ben and oh, max <laughs> it was so nice to get the fuck out of here again yeah i just have been doing so much stand up and been away and like Max is, he's starting to read and he's like so on fire with reading. He's like so excited. He wants to read every book to me, you know, Aww. and that's so fun. That's what I love.
0: That's awesome. I love that too. I love it. That's all cute.
1: right. Well, you guys, I'm sorry we called you. Um, I'm sorry we were yelling at you a bit, but I we love you. We love you so much. We do it all for you. You can find us, all the socials. Uh, we're at, at Dumb Love Podcast. You can email us at dumblovepod at gmail.com. You could rate and review. You could tell a friend. You could come see me on the road. I will be in Indianapolis at Helium September 16th and 17th. I will be at Comedy Key West uh, September 29th through October 1st. Um, So come see me, one of those places if you live near them, or just, you know, fly in. Let's have a great time. Do it. And I'll
0: be in Atlanta a lot. (laughs) I'll be uh, (laughs)
1: at Old Fourth Ward Distillery
0: on Wednesday, uh, and then on Friday I will be at the Laughing Skull Lounge at 8 o'clock, and then I will be Saturday at the Laughing Skull Lounge at 5 o'clock and 8 o'clock. And then uh, I will be at the Laughing Skull Comedy Festival the last weekend of September on I'm not even going to list all the shows. It's just a comedy marathon. Come to that. And I also yeah. wanted to plug really quickly. Um, we're now in festival season. I'm going to be doing it every week, plugging the Red Clay Comedy Festival. Um, that Tickets are on sale now. It's here in Atlanta, and East Atlanta. It's going to be so much fun. November so much fun. 10th through the 13th. And um, it is going. We have Joel Kim Booster, Ashley Heseltine, uh, Sashir Zameda, Sean Patton um we've got all kinds of fun stuff we have the are you garbage Podcasts. We have um, we have lots of fun things coming up, and we just added, which I'm super excited about. Um, it's a band called Forever Young, and <gasps> it is um, a '90s and '80s themed band. No,
1: uh, yeah, and oh, that's going to be at I love
0: the it. it's going to be at the after party on Saturday night. But you could buy tickets to it. The ticket link will be up soon, um, and it's going to be so much fun. Like we're going to have some of our headliners singing songs. It's just going to be a big old '80s '90s dance party, and um, I'm very
1: excited I love it yeah so, ah, so fun did you so write yeah. all that shit down guys yeah did um, you guys write it down um, go support us support us <laughs> uh,
0: thank you guys so much uh, we dumb love ya so hard and please make sure to get out there and do something dumb for love dumb dum dumb dumb dum 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 dumb Dum da dum da dum dum da dum dum da